Liam Chick, welcome to the Inspired By Show. Now I'm emotional, so. Well done. I was instantly adopted. My birth mum, she was a drug addict. She had loads of kids. It was a really tough time. And I was like really, really lonely. I was really depressed. The time I almost died from drugs, I took a legal high called like Pandora's Box. It's because I got a Snapchat off a guy who was like sleeping with my girlfriend. It felt, made you feel like you died. You know when you die, they say you see like seven minutes of your life. I was like feeling that. And somehow I jumped out of the top window of like a three-story place, didn't break anything, and just like landed on a street. And then I woke up by an ambulance. Welcome to Inspired By, the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist. Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story, and they have stories that they haven't yet told. Not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Liam Chick, welcome to the Inspired By Show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for coming all the way here to the studio. So I've been really excited for us to have this interview because obviously we connected through you having your own podcast as well. So I always love interviewing podcasters because it's quite a nice to be sat on the other side of it. Now, for a little bit of context, your podcast is known as the on- the Online Disruptor Podcast with Liam Chick. Um, I'm curious, we hear a lot of the word disruptors disruption a lot in our industry and where did your love for disrupting come from let's start there um so it's a a weird story so I wrote a tweet once and I would not define myself as a disruptor it's just a name that sort of caught on I wrote a tweet that said Ed Matthews and HS Tiki Toki are dangerous to like women of society they teach men that the way they teach women like is wrong and it just went mental. Like the amount, well, the amount of abuse from like young kids, but also support from like older people, more mature. It got like 5 million views on Twitter and Twitter's really hard to wow. get views. So I was like, I am a disruptor. And I was like, mm, yeah, I'm going to. And I was like looking at starting my podcast at the time. So I was like, that's my name, the online disruptor. I disrupted on Twitter. And now I look back at the actual story and I think that's really cringe, but I think the name's <laughs> caught on. So Yeah, clearly. And so you mentioned there that obviously you wouldn't normally call yourself a disruptor. Um, where did your sort of want for your podcast come from then? So I use a podcast to be sort of quite clever, like with, with like business and football and like connections that I need to gather like the podcast is a great excuse for that. It's not about like fame. It's not about getting like, obviously if you, Rob Moore once said, if you don't have a podcast, like if you don't get views, you don't have a podcast. He said that once. That's true. But also the more guests you bring on, the better the guests get and the better the guests get, the better the guests get. So it's all about like connections. Like we've got George Lineker coming on next week. He's obviously the son of Gary Lineker, who we can then try and connect to. So that's really why I started a podcast. Mm, wow, love that. And I love that you've been on a journey of getting some quite big guests, which is pretty awesome. Take me back to the Liam before the podcast. So what you mentioned there, football, you mentioned business, or tell us about your journey, because I always love finding out people's inspiring stories and the moments that brought them to where they are today. Yeah, so it's been a long journey. Um, I was born in like, I'll give you an overview and then I'll get to the interesting bit. So I was like born in 98. Um 
I was instantly adopted. My birth mum, she was a drug addict. She had loads of kids to gain, to gain um, like government money, government funds. So I was adopted, foster cared, um, went to my amazing parents in Exeter who like adopted me, fell out with them really bad, had a lot of fights. So we're skipping here to like 16 now. Went back into the care system um, in Moss Side in Manchester. Um, really, really rough area, really tough. Lots of like drugs, violence, stabbing, all that sort of stuff. So as you can imagine, it's not the, wow. the nicest time. Um, went back down to Plymouth because obviously I was stabbed. They said this area is not <laughs> probably not the best area to, to sort of be in. So went back to Plymouth. Spent about a year on like drugs, like heavy drugs. Like it was a really tough time um, in my life. And something I've never spoken about, like I've briefly spoke about, but now I'm like getting a bit emotional mm. by it. Um, and then went and got an apprenticeship. Um, and that's sort of where my career started. So I'd never went to school. So I dropped out of school when I was 14 to go on a building site to work. So I haven't got any qualifications. So yeah, that's my overview wow. and now I'm emotional so well oh, done thank you no no problem well take take your time because this is a is such an inspiring story and you know a lot of us hear of you know the the stories of people going through shit and coming out on top but I think hearing it from yourself like someone who like you said like legit before we spoke you were like I've never really talked about my story before and so thank you for sharing it here first of all because it's not an easy thing and I'm sure going through that you know, what was going through your mind when you look back? Obviously, it's easier now people say to look back on situations in hindsight. What was it like for you when you were going through that? So, you know, going through the adoption system, how was that for you? Do you remember much of it? Yeah, I, I, the adoption, not so much. I was very young. I was fortunate. Obviously, being with adoptive parents, then going back into care, I remember a lot of. And my friends always ask me what, what it was like. And look, it was a really tough time, of course. Like mm. I, I had to like get a massive wardrobe just to like block my door because I was scared someone would come in in the night and stab me. It was like there were bars on the window. Like I saw someone genuinely get stabbed to death outside my window once. Like it was so scary. And I, I like I wasn't speaking to my parents. I was like so alone. But then weirdly, it was like the best time. Like it was, the, I had the best of fun. Like when, I think when you have nothing, and like when you lose a lot and when you lose, like my parents are well off, they're privileged. They obviously work really hard, but I'd never had that struggle. I never had struggle really growing up, obviously self-inflicted sort of stuff mm. um, and the adoption. But they tried to provide everything up until I was like 15 and things went like wrong. Um, but when you sort of lose all of that, that's when you like really find happiness in the smallest of things. Like I could like cook, like, I never cooked up until this point. And then I'd like cook a proper meal. I was like, shit, I've, I've just gone and cooked. I can do this. Like, and I was from Exeter, so there's not a lot there. So I could go to like Blackpool Pleasure Beach. I was like, wow, this is really good fun. I'm going for a walk on the beach. I've never done, really done this before. And that, like, you just find happiness in stuff that you never knew could make you happy mm, yeah so powerful it's interesting as well because like you say <clears throat> I think when you've lost everything or you don't have a huge amount it makes the little things mean so much more doesn't it and you you know like you say I remember when I I went through quite a traumatic time in my life where I was severely depressed and I remember literally my biggest achievement often was 
going and downstairs to the corner shop to be able to get a pint of milk and coming back up and not having a panic attack, you know. And it's sometimes I think if you look back and people think it's the it's the pay rises, it's the big salaries, it's the the fancy cars, the big houses, but actually it's often when you've come from nothing or you felt like you've had nothing, sometimes then those achievements, the smallest wins actually feel so much more powerful. Yeah, and like I my partner's doing very well in life. I've always said that and she, she's very well off. Like we, we're both well off together. Like together, we're really powerful. She is more materialistic, but she's not had this sort of struggle. She would care about the car. She's like, oh, I really want that car. I really want that coat. And I'm like, fair enough. I don't. I, I literally will wear the same shit every day and be happy because like, I know how hard, what like, I don't know why. Like I will wear just the same shoes every day and like, I don't care about things mm. I, like as long as I'm happy, as long as I'm comfortable. Yeah. There's like, there's like being in a really poor council house sort of comfortable. And then obviously being able to afford to eat properly. That's happiness to me. Mm. But like, yeah, I don't care about things I don't need. Mm. Wow. So take me back to the moment. Obviously you mentioned that you fell out with your adoptive parents. You then went back into care. Tell me about what happened there and what, what, got you to here what 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 did you go through in that point so there was a lot there was a lot of build-ups like me and my dad and I, I we we get on really well now like I love the guy to pieces like we've really rekindled but we were like fighting a lot like physical fights like mm. fist fights like a lot of shouting and what the like care people said was actually you've got a young sister she's getting caught up in this this isn't fair so it's either she goes or I go and I said I'll go because I'm older. She she needs her mum. So then I travel all the way up. They they take me there to like Wigan. And yeah, I don't know what to do. I'm like, this is way out of my comfort zone. Like this is massive. So then all that stuff that I've just mentioned happens. And then I move back down to Plymouth and I apply like six months go on. I'm, I'm spending all like the money I'm getting from on drugs. Like alcohol and I'm like yeah I really need a job now because I've always been a hard worker that's one thing I've much preferred over education is work and I applied and I kid you not and I show people like my job applications like I used the government job application site and I applied I think it was for 237 jobs and only one got back only one got back and it was a really cool job. So they invited me for an interview. Um, this was a skill tech in Plymouth, David Bogart. They invited me for an interview and I was like, I'm never going to get this. It was apprenticeship. I am never going to get this, but I'm going, I'm going to present myself. I'm going to show what I'm about. And they, yeah, they hired me there and then, and that was like, he was the definitive moment, the changing point in my life. Like I always speak about that guy. Like, and I don't think he realizes how much he actually helped my life, but that's the one I always speak about. And that's like when it changed for me. And then I did a year apprenticeship, went to work for a, I went to work as sales, um, for equinity, um, data did six months there, went to a marketing agency and then I started my business. Wow, Liam, that's so inspiring. And I think one of the biggest things I love about what you shared there is what I've noticed through people who've come on the show is there's usually someone who's like what I would call course corrected. You know, we're on a journey and usually there's someone that comes up in our life that course corrects us and helps us make a transition. 
you mentioned that you didn't think he knew the impact of that he had on you. Was it like an immediate thing for you where that getting that job like changed everything? Or was it sort of a thing looking back now? You see that that was the defining moment. It's, it's looking back. Like when I was there, I almost took that job for granted, which is really sad. Like I tried my hardest, like as I do with anything, but it was a sales job. I was 17, 18. I can't remember exactly. I thought I was like a Wolf of Wall Street sort of guy. I was like trying to wear the suit. I was trying to have the like pen. Like I remember my first paycheck, right? I just went and bought a new iPhone out front. Like I was getting like 800 pound a month, like apprentice money. I spent 700 on, a, on an iPhone and like the rest on a coat. And it's, it's stuff like that. Like I thought I was bigger than I was. Mm. If, if I had the opportunity to go back to that, I would like definitely work harder for him because like looking back now, he changed my life. Like mm. I wouldn't know where to go. I wouldn't know what to do. And like anyone who says they make it on their own, I think are like lying. I think you always need people to like give you advice and push you. Now, I just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to share a quick message with you. Now, I've been hosting these interviews with Inspired by Show for a while now, and I've been loving all of the great feedback from our listeners. And it really means a lot when you all share from listening to these episodes, watching these episodes, share your incredible feedback. And I love that you love it as much as we do. Now, my mission for the Inspired by Show is to inspire others to challenge the norm, share their story, knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable and shock horror, take the mask off and be raw and real. So I have a favor to ask. Can you help me on this mission by sharing this episode with someone who you think needs to hear this message? Maybe there's a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know that would really benefit from hearing this inspiring story. If you could do that to help us help even more people to challenge the norm and push themselves out of their own comfort zone, then I'd really appreciate it. So if you haven't already, share this episode with a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know would benefit. Now, back to the episode. Into something. Yeah, I totally agree. I hear the phrase, you know, self-made millionaire or self-made success, and I don't agree no. with it at all. I think it's a load of rubbish because when actually, like you say, there's always somebody that's helped you on the journey. Now, you mentioned there that you felt like you didn't really appreciate it at the time and the money was just going on, you know, let's say tangible things, iPhones, jackets and so on. But you mentioned earlier that that doesn't really drive you. So when did that change? When did you then stop looking at the sort of material things with your journey? That's one I've never thought about because yeah because it does it like I always think of my life like now but yeah I just said then looking back I would go and spend my money where did it change I think it was that year mm. because I remember the place I was staying like I was living for free like the government were sort of paying for it because of care system but I think they turned around to me and went actually you're earning money you've got to pay rent now like half of what you're earning and I think that was a big wake up having to actually like pay rent, like mm. a, adult stuff. But then even that year, I always wanted things. Like, it was weird. I think I was just trying to fill something I felt I missed out on for the last sort of few years of my life. Mm. But I think I matured, grew up and realized that things don't actually make you happy. Memories. I'm a big fan of memories. Like, if I had the opportunity to buy a Ferrari or go on holiday to like Malaga, if that's like all I could afford, all right, the price difference a bit like different, but you yeah. know what I mean? I'd a hundred percent choose to go on a holiday with my girlfriend mm. because the memory is more lasting 
than the car. Mm, definitely. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You mentioned there about usually what I found is a lot of people that go through, you know, alcohol or drugs or any sort of addiction, if you will, or connection to something. Like for me, it's like the same sort of thing. It was like I used to buy and invest in things because I felt like I was filling a hole. What hole were you trying to fill at that point? What What would you find that it was like distracting you from or or filling for you? I was really depressed. Like, I, and I say it was like the happiest time of my life, but again, it was the worst time. Like in a space of two years, I'd like lost the people who brought me up. Like I had to move, so I lost friends. And I like, even the place in Plymouth, it wasn't a great place. All right, it wasn't a moss side. It wasn't people getting stabbed, killed, but there was still violence. Like a guy I lived with is now in jail for killing his girlfriend. So it's still not a nice yeah. place to be around. And I was like really, really lonely. I was really depressed. And like my girlfriend at the time was like very unfaithful. She was cheating a lot. And like, I remember one of the times, the times I almost, the time I almost died from drugs, I took a legal high called like Pandora's box. It's because I got a Snapchat off a guy who was like sleeping with my girlfriend and he sent it to me and I opened it. I was like, what? So I just, Pandora's box, box through a bong, jumped out. And I, I was like, I, I don't know if you've ever done it. I would definitely never recommend doing it. It was the worst experience ever. I felt it felt made you feel like you die. You know, when you die, they say you see like seven minutes of your life. Mm. I was like feeling that. And somehow I jumped out of the top window of like a three story place. Didn't break anything miraculously wow. and just like landed on a street. And then I woke up by an ambulance like yeah wow it's quite incredible when you think about it like I'm a massive believer in when things happen they happen but mm. actually if things are meant to happen differently they will like we usually have something that changes us something that like a moment where we have to sort of wake up and go holy shit this is this I can't carry on like this I'm curious for you Liam you're in this care environment. Yeah, okay, you've got the job and you know things are looking up, but you're still in the same physical environment. You're still there are things that maybe aren't going your way. Like you said, living with someone that's, you know, in prison now. Was there ever a moment where you're like is this me? Did you ever feel like you didn't fit in or were there times where you're like no. this is where I need to be? I was always different. I I like I always when I was it like when I was like 16, I was always like misguided but somehow I managed to be like really strong the older I got and like control my mm. thoughts and my sort of so like I would never hang around these people like all right you live with them you see them but I would make sure like I go out on a train and go to like Exeter and just stay there in a park to be away from them because I I was always scared that maybe I could go a go down the wrong path but like didn't know how it would like end. I don't know what, what would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting how we can be tempted by other people as well. Right. Where, you know, it's like, I don't want to hang around with those people. Like one of the reasons why I personally have never done drugs is because I've got a very addictive personality and I very much like, Oh God, what if, you know, it's, it's almost too tempting the fear of what could happen. I'm curious for you, when did this start to change? Was it a sudden thing where you're like, I'm changing my life. This is not going to happen to me anymore. Or was it a gradual thing that you kind of slowly grew out of? The biggest change was that moment where like, I thought I was dead. I thought I jumped out of a, well, I did jump out of a three story building. That I, I like, 
I not anymore, but I like occasionally did weed after that. Like it's so weird because I never actually get addicted to anything. Like I've smoked a lot, but I can stop like that. Like it's always a choice for me. Mm. I, like, and okay, there are addicts, I'm sure. But from personal experience, I've never been addicted. Like weed, I smoke it because I enjoyed it. Mm. That was a choice. N maybe I'm proud, maybe I'm not. Mm. I don't regret it, but it was still a choice. But I could stop it like that. Mm. It, so, but yeah, falling out of that window is definitely a changing moment wow. where I was like, no, nah, I can't do drugs anymore. I've had my wake up call. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was going through your mind at that point? So like you wake up in the ambulance from the hospital. What were you thinking? I woke up on the floor with, um, and I, I don't know what it is, but I have a photo um, of just like things strapped to my chest. I don't know what they were. I never actually asked, but I did. I do remember ringing my dad for like the first time ever saying, I'm really sorry. I love you. Wow. So I thought I was dying. My God. What did he say? He he was shocked. My dad's very like old school. Like he loves my, like my brother, for example, to pieces. Like they get on so well. He will never say, I love you. Like mm. he's, and that's really sad. Like from kids who just need love from their dad, but he's like really old school. It's how his dad brought him up unfortunately so yeah mm, yeah my parents are exactly the same even now you know it, only in the last couple of years do my parents now if I don't say it on the phone they're like love you and a couple of times it's caught me by surprise I'm like oh okay and you know if they listen to this I know they love me anyway it's just like they all showed love differently yeah like you say it's how they've been brought up yeah so you're you know you're lying on this floor you've just had this big wake-up call what was your thought process then to actually start changing things I think the fear of death mm. like I realized like I never cared about death before that now I'm petrified of it like like before that I would never care like it never crossed mm. my mind and then when I thought I like died I was like shit this life is like so precious mm. and like so valuable and I, I I am wasting it around these people doing these things and I just want to change so I just obviously look it wasn't overnight I thought it straight away, but it took like a week, two weeks, three weeks to like really start to change. But I think that was like the biggest wake up call being, and that now still to this day, I remember that. And I'm like, nah, I'm not dying to, I'm so careful in what I do. Like I'll always choose a really sensible seat on an airplane. Mm. Like if an airplane crashes, you can't do anything. But in my mind, it's like, you've chosen the back seat. You're more likely to survive. I'll always sit at like the middle of a train because I'm just scared of like death now. Wow. Yeah. Would you say that's because you've been in your eyes closer to it? Like you've had that almost like saving moment of like your sa your life was saved because you didn't die jumping out of that window, which let's be honest, like you say, miraculous. Well, I could have. Like I never actually asked what happened, but waking up with like heart things, maybe I did. Maybe my heart did stop. Mm. I don't actually know. It was a weird, I just remember remember blacking out, woke up on the floor. I watched the CCTV and I was like fully awake, but I wasn't. So it was like really weird. Mm. Um, but yeah. Wow. And so what then happened next? So, you know, you've gone through this, you've changed, like you said, three, four weeks time, you've then started putting the changes in place. How did you then come to the Liam that sat here, which obviously we'll talk about, you know, the football career, the football pieces in there, the investments, you do a lot of in business investing now, you've got your own businesses. Like to me, it seems like a whole different Liam. I've always been like driven 
I've always wanted to like, like the end goal is never fame for me. Like I'm not famous. I'm not saying that, but it's never will be fame. It will be always creating value and like adding value. So like with my business, I started that because I was working for a marketing agency after I left the apprenticeship. I, um, I was doing all the work, getting paid like peanuts for it. This is probably where my big head came in again. I'm like, you, you deserve more than you're getting. Um, and they didn't, they actually paid me one month underpaid and then they didn't pay me the second month. They were a really dodgy company. So I was like, nah, I'm just going to try and take all their clients. Cause I'm doing all the work anyway. They know me, they trust me. Luckily half of them said yes. So that gave me the ability to do that. They, they weren't that happy this this agency but they went bust like two months later so wow. i don't know if that's my fault i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to say it's my fault but i've heard stories that they don't pay staff so yeah. hopefully it's uh not my fault yeah. um but yeah and then i just grew from there brought a business partner on and it just went like uphill from there and then covid came around and then it went downhill but now it's gone up here again <laughs> Wow. So how did you decide what business to start? Was it because you were working in that marketing agency? <laughs> this is where my big head comes in again. This, the boss at this place gave off a very, and he isn't wealthy and I should have seen it, but being a young guy thinking someone else is really rich, like he had a car on finance. He, he was trying to be something mm. he clearly wasn't because he wasn't, the business wasn't doing well. I thought oh, I, can, I can do this. I'm inspired by his wealth, by the things he's got, things he's saying he's got. I'm inspired by this. And then he introduced me to um, Stephen Bartlett, social chain, like, because he was doing a vlog at the time. I don't know if, if you remember, but Stephen Bartlett was doing like a vlog mm. by his marketing agency. I was like, this looks cool. and I, that, That's sort of the success I thought I wanted to achieve. So that's mm. why why I left. Wow. When did you find out that it wasn't, he wasn't as wealthy as you thought he was? Well, probably when it went bust, like, mm. well, to be fair, I still thought he was, I still thought he was up until he went bust. Um, loads of stories came out in the papers in Exeter that he didn't pay staff, that he robbed clients money, all that sort of stuff. Um, and now he's just working a normal job. So now like last year, Wow. It's like roles reversed then. So yeah. you're now the business owner and he's, yeah. he's not. Now question for you. We were talking about this a little bit off camera and one of my pet peeves is in the, in the, I guess you could call it online world, but in the world of building a personal brand, there are a lot of people that say they have money and don't. There are a lot of people that take the photos of the fancy cars and the expensive handbags or watches and they take photos in Harrods or something like that, but actually they can't really afford it. What's been your experience of building a brand? Because you are you have met some very wealthy individuals. You know, we'll talk about that later on. But what's your experience of that? I never pretend that I'm someone I'm not. I've always kept my identity. Like, like this month I'm struggling. Like I'm, look, I say struggling, I'm not like going on the streets, mm. but I have to sort of watch my money this mm. month. But then some months it does like really well. So it's always like a balance. I find some guests claim that they're wealthier than they are because they've had levels of fame. Like my partner's a professional singer and like I know the struggles. I know that TV pays fuck all. Mm. I know, I know this. So when someone comes in, is like, oh, I made thousands and thousands from a TV show. I'm like, no, you didn't. Mm. You just didn't. Unless you're like Anton Deck and you've got a 
four-year contract or something. You didn't. You make money after it. You you build a brand, right? You make sod all for TV show, but you like build a brand and then you can obviously what most of them are doing are flogging pointless products to their audience for 800 quid posts yeah 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 that's the thing i think with the world we live in now though where there's so much more visibility there's it it almost makes people look that they have to be famous they have to have money they have to be successful and actually what looks like success isn't success you know you've also been in the football world so i'm sure you've met a few famous footballers where you know arguably there's a lot more wealth in football than in a lot of influencing and personal branding um i'm curious we haven't talked about your journey into football yet i know we talked a little bit off camera where did football come into your journey and what was the reason you were attracted to football so before 2010 i never actually liked football like i was in primary school that year i think or just going into secondary i can't really remember and I remember, I vividly remember someone asking, what team do you support? I knew no teams. I just <laughs> went England. They're like, now nah, what team do you support? I went England. They're like, no, you've got to support a team like Man United, Chelsea. And I, I just randomly said Chelsea. I've never, never heard of Ch- Chelsea. I can't lie. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. I don't support Chelsea now, by the way. I support Exeter City. But, um, but then the World Cup came around. This was shortly before the World Cup. So they must have been like getting hyped. For it. And then the 2010 World Cup in South Africa came around and I like really liked it. I was like, this is exciting. Like I watched the first game. I was like, why are people just 22 men chasing a ball around a field, mm. trying to kick it in the goal? I was like, what the hell is this? And I was like, actually, this is really exciting. And then I I, I watched it. And then luckily, because I'm a referee now, luckily Howard Webb, who's an English referee, refereed the World Cup final. And like everyone was watching it. My parents hate football, but they turned it on. So like everyone watches it. And I was like, that guy's the center of attention here. This guy showed like 15 yellow cards and a red. This guy is like the attention. I like the attention. I want a referee. So then I just applied and parents obviously paid for the course. And yeah. Wow. I love that. Like, it's just such a powerful thing about perspective, right? Because for me, I never ever notice referees in games. Like, I, my, I don't. I'm not a massive football supporter. My, my partner is. He's a like, God forbid, his team Real Madrid lose, which luckily doesn't happen all that often. But still, no, he's French, but he's obsessed with Real Madrid. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. But he is. It is like our house. We we in our old house used to have a fireplace, and it changed color had to be blue when Real Madrid were playing. Like he's so superstitious. So I never really knew much about football. I certainly didn't notice the refs. So Why I love the fact support, that- um Paris? Oh, it's just, he's just not into French football really? at all. I've doesn't it. support- I've refed at Paris before. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. What was that like? Uh, yeah, that's one I just wanted to throw in there. I don't know if yeah. you can tell. That was like surreal. Like, Wow. I'm never like the setup that like you walk in. It, it just feels like a studio, like a set, like it's, it's wow. Yeah. And then you walk out obviously. And yeah, yeah, that's remarkable. How that's did it. you go from like, let's just zoom out. So you've done this referee training. Now you're refereeing in Paris. Like how does someone go from the idea of seeing a ref on the TV and going, I want to be like that ref to, refereeing i don't I mean, ref like consistently paris games by the no, way but you've I'm not, refed some massive yeah, well, games yeah. some big games yeah i've done like plymouth argyle um fulham 
uh, Millwall. So yeah. Um, oh, it's a long journey. People don't see the work that goes into mm. refereeing at all. Like refs get slaughtered, like slagged That's off what I mean. all yeah. the time. Like you get to a certain level, it's really easy. But then after that, you get observers on like every game and they criticize every single bit you do, like your positioning, like mm. your, like showing a yellow card technique, like every th single thing, like where you are when you walk out, you've got to walk to the right place. Like they look at everything. Mm. So it's not easy. Mm. Do you know what I'm noticing, Nolim? I'm noticing a theme because with your podcast, with everything you've done, you're always, there is elements of being criticized and being monitored, if you will. Like we're both in the podcast world. There are people that listen to the podcast and go, oh, that was a shit question or that wasn't the best angle or now nah, that guest was rubbish. You know, it sounds to me like refereeing is quite similar, right? People are quite critical. Some people like it, some people don't. You know, there's a bit of um, controversy, hence coming back down to the disruption side of things. How have you handled that in your in both careers? Me and my partner argue quite a bit. And I said to her yesterday, because we hadn't argued all of yesterday. They're not like proper arguments. And I went, can you just have a go at me a minute? <laughs> can you just like criticize me or, or call me some names? And I don't know what it is, but it, it gives me some sort of stimulation, like mm. a little bit of a buzz that, and I'm a firm believer that if you're being criticized, it's either, I'm not saying her, it's either because they're jealous or like, or you're, you're doing something right. Mm. So like, that's always been like in my brain. Mm. So like when no one else is criticizing me, I asked my partner to do it. <laughs> so it's like, I know that sounds super weird and people will think that is super weird. So you can criticize all you want, but like, that's how I feel. Like, yeah. I feel like you need to be criticized mm. to win and, and people who criticize with actual value mm. help you. Cause if yeah. someone says, Oh, I don't like that angle. Yeah. It's a criticism, but you mm. could then go, actually they are watching. So you could change that angle. Mm. Oh, I don't like those shoes. Okay. That's fine. Let's find the one where they do. Mm. Yeah, totally. It's about how you use the criticism, isn't it? And not taking it personal, but using it to fuel you. Like I've done that with loads. I'm a speaker. I speak on loads of, loads of events and stages. You can't impress everyone. Like people that speak on stage and want to be a speaker that 100% of the room love, you're never going to win, right? And it's about knowing who you want to work with, who you want to like you and who and whether it's actually an opinion that you care about. Now, I want to go into your <laughs> podcasting career. So you know, it sounds like you've been on quite a journey, Liam, and like you openly mentioned earlier, this is the first time you've shared your story on a podcast. How come you haven't used your own podcast to share your story? So I do. So, so I did, I do, whatever you want to take from it. So I was doing it virtually a year ago and the first three were my story. They are shocking episodes. I would never recommend ever checking them out i don't know why they're still up there but apparently it's good to keep them up as a sort of to look back mm. the issue we have is like I, i'm very clever like i throw things in about my sort of journey so i'll throw in one thing i've learned is the education system's broken i never went to education blah 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 and i'll mm. throw that in and i'll use that on social media and it does really well but the episodes aren't about me and that's like the balance like since we took it in person i did try and do that and people were like you're making it about you this isn't about you so i had to be like really careful but i throw things in there mm. but it's like it's really hard 
Yeah. It's because I think a lot of podcasts, they're, they're not falling in love with the host. They want to listen for yeah. the guest. Yeah. We had half, this is where this came. One of the main reasons I didn't do this. We had Harvey Armstrong come on and I always like, I always check out people, people's podcasts before to see like what they've talked about. And the top comment on one of it was like, in the end, it was just Harvey interviewing the podcaster. And I was like, yeah, this is something we can never, ever be like, because yeah. it's not our stories. Like we benefit through collaborations and audience. And I've always been open with that. I'm like, you get to share your story. <laughs> I get to grow new audiences through collaborations. I've never mm. hidden that. Like, that's what it's about, right? Mm. Yeah. Like yeah. you wouldn't do it if you didn't get to like, yeah. Tap into other audiences. Always. Yeah. Like, and I'll always say that. Mm. That's one thing I really value though, Liam, about you is since we first connected, we're both very honest and we're both very raw and real, you know, like opening up about financial situations or, you know, challenges in your childhood. A lot of people don't go there and share. And I love that you have because I'm an I'm an oversharer. <laughs> I will always overshare. And then at times my team say to me, Chloe, you probably didn't need to go that level of raw and real. Yeah. Which is the reason I created this show, because I want people to be able to be raw and real, take the mask off, leave it at the door, see what we talk that about. That would be a good name. Yeah. What raw and real. Raw and real, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll Never see. thought about it. We, we, do you know what? It wasn't part of the plan. Like we, when we created Inspired By, my book publishing company is called the Inspired By Publishing. Right. So it was connected to that. And then a lot of the whole point of the show, now I'm doing what you said not to do, which is tell your story on your own podcast. <laughs> but, Crack on. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of the show was a lot of our authors have inspiring stories. So it was like, hang on, yeah. now let's speak about it come on the show and then it just kind of grew from there everyone started being raw and real and just being really open like you did like came on you're like wasn't expecting to get teary I wasn't expecting to share my whole story it just kind of happened and I love that with the podcast though I don't know have you ever had a moment where you've reflected on your podcast and you're like god I didn't expect that to happen didn't expect the podcast to go in that direction maybe when it was online no like I think I was just doing it because maybe like Stephen Bartlett was doing it. Mm. Uh, Jordan, Chris, w Will, Wills Williamson. What's his mm. name? Chris Williamson. I think he, he was like doing it. Mm. And like, I always listen to podcasts. I've always liked podcasts. And I was like, yeah, I've got to copy and do a podcast. It's the way forward. So I did. And like, it did. Okay. Mm. Like be better than I thought it was. Cause no one gives a shit about like Riverside production anymore. Let's be real. Like you've got to post on like YouTube shorts and on TikTok and no one cares if it's a shitty Riverside production. So I was like, this is not going to go anywhere. Mm. So like when an episode did like really well, I was like, oh, wow. But then I went in person and I like with the guests we lined up, like we, we spoke about like backlogging. We recorded like five really good guests, ones we knew would do well, so, who came on a year ago, luckily. So like Nadia Essex was one of them who I will recommend for your show. She'll mm. be like my my mm. guest recommendation and that like blew up and I knew it would because she mm. came on a year ago and it did well on Riverside and that like did really well. And then Harvey Armstrong did well. And then a love Islander did well. And then mm. all of that. And now it's disappointing when an episode doesn't do well. Cause like you have these highs and then one doesn't mm. do well. But like, like I said, I listen to like so many podcasts and I find like there's so much bullshit. Like these hosts are so, such like bullshitters like people are like why do you do podcast not to me but like why do you do podcasting oh because i like the stories i like i like talking to people i'm like yeah you do 
let's talk about the real reason, which is you can tap to their audience, grow through their audience and keep doing the podcast. Then you can go and get sponsorships. Like, let's be honest here. Yeah. yeah. Like these stories are cool. Like, I've listened to some of yours and they are cool. But like, there's always business at the back of your mind, mm. isn't there? Yeah. And same with me. Yeah. Or do you know what? Interesting thing is, if there isn't, there could be. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. We had Spencer Lodge on the show and he's such an incredible business owner, runs a fantastic <clears throat> uh, charity to end human trafficking in Dubai. Like it's so inspiring. And um, he came in the studio and was so great on the show. And then at, at the end was like off camera was like, Chloe, how are you monetizing this? Like, why don't you try this? You should do this. And just gave so much free advice. It was unreal. How are you monetizing this? Great question. At the moment, we're focusing mainly on attracting really cool authors for the publishing. Okay. We do have some ads that people may have heard, which is more to do with us growing our brand. I don't know how I feel about people monetizing podcasts and doing sponsorships. I don't know. I would love to do that because at the moment, it's very much through the publishing business, which I love. But I do also want to keep the raw aspect of it and not over promoted. How, what's your thoughts on that? So we have two sponsors. One is consistent. So I don't know if you've ever heard of the turmeric company. They're like a turmeric shop. And I use them religiously through football. Mm. Like I don't, I, up until now, I never got them for free. Like I always bought it. And then I was like, actually, why the hell haven't I reached out? And then I like researched them. I was like, shit, the founders, Thomas Howardson Carney, who like plays for Wales. So I like messaged him on LinkedIn. He's like, I'd love to come on your podcast. Here's my marketing manager. I was like, actually, why aren't I trying to get them to sponsor? So now they like sponsor the podcast. Not yet, but like in two weeks. Yeah. Um, And they just like send us loads of free turmeric shots. And wow. I'm like, actually, that was a great idea because I use them. Mm. The amount of like sponsorships I see of people like trying to flog like really shitty clothing and like, which are clearly getting paid like a hundred, 200 quid. It's not even worth it. No, It will fuck our audience. Yeah. And like they, they, they trust us at the moment. Like they know I use turmeric shots because I referee. Mm. So like, and it's not like shit quality either. It's like really good. And most people in sports have heard of it. Yeah. I'm not going to go and wear like a really crappy t-shirt for a hundred quid. It's not worth it. That's the, that's the whole point though. And I think for me, I see a lot of people, go for sponsorship on the podcast more because they need the money rather than they value the products. Like for me, I would be happily sponsored if anybody's listening to this or watching this and wants to sponsor the show, do reach out. Um, but I would happily be sponsored if it's a product or service I would use. I have I have had people say to me, how much does it cost to come on your podcast? And I've said, tell me about your story. Let's have a chat and we'll see if it's a good fit. I wouldn't accept the money though, because really? to me, no, because as soon as someone pays to come on the podcast, yeah, yeah. it's a business transaction and I'm not going to be, I'll be thinking, shit, I need to make sure Liam, you have a great episode because you're going to want the footage. And but Whereas, also, why are they paying? Exactly. Why? They might not need to pay if it's a really good story. And I just, for me, I, I know we say like, we obviously do this because we love it and what comes from it. But I love meeting people. Yeah. I love speaking to people. You and I love- You you're not paying. No, exactly. And podcast. also if they are paying- they have a really shit advisor because you shouldn't need to pay if your story is good and you can tell yeah. it in the right way, you know, which I've is part of my publishing one. business. Never heard that Yeah, one. I've had, I've had a, a good, I'd say at least a handful really? since I launched. Yeah, yeah. And we only we launched in have. June. I don't actually deal with the inquiry, so yeah. we might have done. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've always said, we'll never pay minus expenses. That's mm. fair enough. If someone's coming from like Birmingham, we'll cover that. Yeah. But, but 
yeah, I know maybe we do get inquiries for some really small people to like yeah. pay to come on. I don't know. I might have to check. You never know. You never know. Question for you. You mentioned that you've had some big guests. How did you start getting your guests? What process did you follow and what advice would you give to any podcasters listening? So it's so my first big big guest was Nadia Essex. Mm-hmm. And like I went on, like, she came on a year ago when it was virtual. So it wasn't really as good as it's doing now. And I messaged her going, hey, Nadia, Nadia, do you want to, like, come on the podcast? She was on Celebs Go Dating. Mm. And she went, yeah. I was like, what? What? This girl with, like, 200,000 followers who's actually engaged. Like, she is engaged. She gets, like, 150,000 views a video. I was like, shit. Um okay (laughs) yeah come come on so I already had like her contact and I had her number then she gave Mm. me her number and when I took it into person I was like why aren't I getting Nadia back on like she'll be the first and like that one did really well like blue Mm. and then obviously people see that her followers see that because she's well connected and when they like it if I think if you message message them it doesn't go to spam or Mm. something if they're like Instagram sees it's mutually connected so I messaged, messaged them. A lot of them got back to me. I was like, shit, fair enough. Mm. Um, and now we're like really selective. Like sometimes we have weeks where we get, that's why we do a backlog where we mm. are like, shit, we haven't got a guest. Shit. Um, which is why we keep a backlog, which is something I do believe in. Mm. I know you don't as mm. much, but I I certainly do. Um, but they will always be like a backlog. And they they know that. Like, and they will get released, but if someone really interesting says, oh, I'm coming on, mm. prior- prioritize. Of course it is. Because again, it's a business yeah, at the end of the is. day. I've never tried to hide that. No. And that's what I think is so valuable, Liam, is you're so honest. I'm a very honest person. Like, I'll say the same to our guests. I'm like, guys, when is this due? Like, one of our episodes that has just come out was we filmed with my business partner, Tanya Grant. She's an amazing human being. Such a powerful episode. She's a business partner of mine. And so she was totally responsive to us leaving it a couple of months because I was like, I hope I don't have yeah, to wait a no, few months. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> if we're recording this, I'm actually seriously recording this in June. And if it comes out later, no, I'm kidding. We're recording it in, in October, end of October. <laughs> so December this next will be year. out soon. No. Yeah. 2024. Um, so, question for you, Liam. You've interviewed quite a few interesting people. Who has been your favorite podcast guest that you've had on and why? See, now I would feel inclined to say Nadia Essex because she was the biggest. Mm. But I don't think she was my favorite. She was my favorite in terms of the numbers. Like mm. she's the reason I got monetized on YouTube. So thank you, Nadia. Mm. Um, she, she's like the reason so many more big guests came on. My favorite. I spoke, well, when's this going out? <laughs> you can re- you, this will go out probably I would probably say about mid to end of November okay so I spoke to someone a few weeks ago so like today but like a few weeks ago for your narrative um who was on like the BBC Apprentice mm-hmm. um and I was like oh she's gonna come in she's gonna be like a real arsehole and I said this to her I thought I said I thought you'd be an arsehole and she came in and she was like she started crying she was like when I was growing up, I was racially abused. I went through so much shit. My mum was Jamaican. She was racially abused. People were like, why are you black? 
her best friend went, I'm so, it's okay that you're black. I'm like, she was like, yeah, I know it is. And she gave me a story that I was like, shit. I like, I didn't, no one's ever seen that side of her. Cause she comes across as, she calls herself the Kim Kardashian of business, like on the apprentice, which I thought was quite cringe. And I told her that, <laughs> but um, yeah, she, she, she just comes across as this like really tough, ferocious woman. And then turns out she's got these mm. traumas, these insecurities that I didn't think wow. she would have. Which is out maybe a few weeks ago, depending when this is out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make sure we can include the link in the show notes. Or something. It's, it's like it's like listening to the trailer. I'm so excited. I think the good thing is though, sometimes it's not the people you expect, is it? Like I won't say who, but I've had some guests where I'm like, this would be such a good episode, and then I'm interviewing them, and I'm like, I don't feel like I'm getting the wow because I don't know about you as a host, but I know if I'm getting the wow, I'm like, this is going to be you good. You feel it. You feel it 100. Like, like this conversation, most our episodes are an hour. This one went on for like two hours. Yeah. And I know we need to cut it down, <laughs> but, which is sad. But you're like, shit, I was here for two hours. Yeah. And you didn't get bored. Like, like I said, I have ADHD. So sometimes I like fidget. And mm. my producer or girlfriend always says, yeah, you weren't enjoying that conversation because mm. it's so visible. Yeah. But like, I was really intrigued by it. But yeah, the one that, su uh, the ones that surprised me was Diego Day. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He was like called the Riz God. No. Are you on TikTok? Yeah. I'm surprised. He goes up to women in the streets and tries to pull them. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, I need to find this. Yeah, he's he's cool. But he was a... <sighs> I like the guy. I'll say that. But he yeah. was... Yeah. He was a tough cookie. Really? He watches videos and he... You can tell he has these struggles, but he just won't let, let himself be broken. Yeah. And it was like really tough to break. It's hard, isn't it? It's sad. So like yeah. watch his videos. He's exactly like that on, on and off camera. But I think it's a mask. Yeah. And I told him this. I think it's a mask. I think he's trying to hide some insecurities because mm. that's what I used to do. Mm. Most people do. And I think you come on podcasts and we've said this from day one, like me and my team, but podcasting is a really intimate experience. Like I used to also interview people on stages before I started podcasts. So people being interviewed on stage, if there was like a live audience here, people often feel different. I'd struggle right? with that. Really? If, if this was in front of like a live audience now, I'd really struggle. Wow. But like I forgot the cameras are here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like looking at you and I'm just telling. Mm. And like... Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But if it was a live audience with like, you can hear people like, or like yeah. clapping or whatever, you're like. Yeah, it does, it feels weird. It totally feels weird. And so that's why I love it in the studio because it feels a bit more intimate, feels a bit more chatty. Like I literally feel like we could be having a cup of coffee or a cup of tea right now and have a, having a catch up with a friend, you know. That's what I love about podcasting. But a lot of people come on and they don't expect to take the mask off. And I'm a massive believer in either take it off or it's going to get cracked at some stage because yeah. we're going to talk and you'd rather be in control of it than not. You know, you'd rather be ready for it than not. He's going to get called out. Mm. And he already is. He he already is. People are commenting, saying really? stuff on his Instagram. And he is. I wish I, like, I, I have sort of regret because I'm very good at, like, breaking people, mm. which is not my goal. But, um, <laughs> you will cry. You will <laughs> you cry. They always ask people before, can you cry for me? <laughs> I think that's do you know what, how to fake tears? Yeah, I think that's cry. what Stephen Bartlett must do. But, um... <laughs> But I was like, I'm going to be the one to break him. And mm. unfortunately, I wasn't. Yeah. Um, episodes still did well because obviously a lot of young kids are curious about how to pull women, yeah. which isn't real. And then I called him out on, actually, how many have said no to you? And he's yeah. like, well, well, actually, loads. I'm like, why are you not showing that? 
Yeah. It's like, well, it's not good content. I'm like, it's not, but it's teaching young boys that they can be like pushy and rapey towards women. Which is horrible. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Yeah. You didn't like that. No, I didn't think you would. I'm <laughs> no. dying to see the episode now. Yeah. I'm dying to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Liam. That's so, so I honestly feel like we could talk for ages. I've got one more one more quick question before we uh continue on to the final part of the the interview. Let's say, you know, you look back at Liam going through the adoption care homes you know losing your parents who now became your family and your friends and so on and going through all this whole journey what would you say to anyone that's maybe struggling at the moment in the care system or struggling at home with families and friends what would you say to them to like give them a bit of hope it is weird because I am asked this quite a bit I don't know if I'm like lucky because I'm really strong I see a lot of people in the system go down the wrong path and I've never been able to figure out why Like, yeah, I was in there and I was choosing to do things, but I could so easily choose not to. And Mm. I did. So I don't get why they're not. And I'm not a psychologist, or I think that's the right word. Mm. I'm not a psychologist, so I can't understand people's brains. And I never have been able to. I just know from, like, my point of view, you can always, like, choose to do something. Like, I chose to start a business. Don't know if it was the wrong one. Like the amount of times I've messed up, like loads. Like I got sent back into a care home. Like I'm, I messed up loads. It was my own choice. It was like my own fault. I'm not ashamed of that. I, I would rather like fail a million times and succeed once than ever try. And I think anyone in care home can choose to change. Mm. I know it doesn't like feel like they can, but they can. Wow. That's such an inspiring message because I think a lot of people I've personally never been through that but there's been times where I have felt like up the depths you know really dark and so on which we're going to now but it was realizing I had a choice as well I think in times of darkness a lot of people feel like they don't have a way out they don't have a choice and the one thing I would say to people is you always have a choice it doesn't feel like it but there is always a choice and you took that choice and I think everyone's struggles are different like your struggles will probably be totally different than mine. I'm not here to say they're not struggles. I'm not here to say they're worse than me because you only know what you've been through. Mm. So like in our minds, again, not a psychologist, but they are probably as painful struggles because like I've been through X, you've been through X, but I don't know what you've been through. Mm. And like, until you experience something worse, that feels like the worst you can have does doesn't it yeah and every lesson uncovers new journeys right like one of my good friends shim always says new level new devil you know every time we go through something we learn something and then the mountain's a bit new, higher the next one new, new level new devil no, I, yeah. don't, I don't like that you don't like I don't it like that. what about it you don't like Well, for me, what it sounds like is like every new step you go through is a new devil. I do disagree with that. Mm, I think you can have like five devils, but then a, what's like the opposite of devil? Like An uh, angel. An angel, <laughs> but then an angel. So yeah. I, I disagree and it sounds yeah. a bit cringe. Yeah, it does. It does, it does sound, sound cringe. cringe. It does sound cringe. What, the, what I took from it was that in every new experience, you might get, it's like doing a video game, right? Like you work really hard, you finally get to the emboss, you think you've won and then you go up to the next level and there's something new to deal with. They might not always show up as devils. They might show up as successes and then suddenly, you know, like wealthy people have problems too, right? It's like sometimes you think you're going to win. There are still tra- challenges to learn from. The way I look at it is it's always about learning. As long as I'm always learning, then I'm happy. It's about trying new things. 
Well, yeah, when you say it like yeah. that, that's a different Very different. But everyone takes it differently, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you say it initially, you are going to mm. think something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Naturally. Question for you then, before we, uh, before we wrap up. What would you say has been your biggest lesson through all of the challenges that you've had to today? Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um... Biggest lesson. I don't know. Mm. Like, I never think about it like that. Like, I don't just have big lessons. Every day is a lesson in something else. Like, I call it like little steps, little lessons. Mm. Like, I've never looked back and gone, that was actually a big lesson I learned. Like, you learn big stuff like how to start a business and stuff like that. But like... In terms of what I've done, well, no, that's a lie because every day you learn little things on how to run a business. So I, mm. I don't like that question. Good. Love that. What little lesson has had an impact then? Is there any one like piece of advice someone's given you or something like that? Yeah. Always treat everyone the same. You never know who's going to help you. And like, yeah, always treat everyone the same. Like today I was having a really shit morning and <laughs> I rung the buzzer for an office I was going into and it wouldn't answer and I shouldn't admit this and this is humiliating for me and my producer and it went to like I didn't realize but it goes through to a voicemail and I was like fucking hell they, these pricks don't answer and she's like it's on voicemail I was like and like like I still get really annoyed with things mm. but like all you should always treat everyone with, with respect mm. and that's a lesson I learned today because now yeah. they, they heard it and yeah. I'm quite embarrassed it's like that moment <laughs> when you want the ground to swallow you up yeah. you're like oh can I just delete that How do I, I, like, delete I was that? having such a long morning mm. as well and like I shouldn't have frustrated I was like fucking hell I paid mm. to use this and they're not letting me in and mm. it's normal frustration but now that and I never thought about it admittedly I didn't know anyone would hear it yeah don't know if that changes it but I was like what if this business person hears this now and is like negatively impacted mm. by like what I just said. Yeah. And today was a lesson. That was my lesson today. Yeah, love that. I think it's really important though to see that there's always lessons in every day and we're always learning, right? No one's ever perfect. If they say they are, nah, it's bullshit. rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, absolute bullshit. Well, Liam, it's been awesome talking to you. As I said, I feel like I could chat to you way longer and I would love to go further into your story, but we are completely out of time I now. I know. And now we have to, we're, well, not have to, we, now we are recording... <laughs> Your one. Yeah, to come episode. on your podcast. So, same studio. Yeah, love that. Different images when you guys see that. It'll yeah, be yeah, very different. Yeah. We might release it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Now, final question for you, okay. which I ask always ask the guests, uh, our final question. Who do you know that has an inspiring story that you think we should have on the show next? I think Nadia Resics would be great for your story, uh, for your podcast, not necessarily because of the story. It is mm -hmm. inspiring, um, but she'd be very good to collaborate with. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Liam, for that, that suggestion. And you bigged her up so much. I'm excited to, to Oh, she's amazing. To I'll give you her, her number. Thank you I'll so ask her much. first, but I'll give you her number. Awesome. Oh, well, Liam, that's been awesome. Thank you thank for having, you. Thank thank you you for so coming much. here. So guys, that is all we have time for now. I hope you guys have enjoyed that as much as I have. Liam's story is so inspiring. If there's any of you that are struggling at the moment or you're going through something, take what Liam said seriously. 
every day is a lesson and every day is an opportunity for you to learn. So what are you going to take from it? And you always have a choice. Now, I'm dying to know those of you guys that are watching on our YouTube channel, make sure you comment in the comments, what has been your biggest takeaway from Liam's interview on the show today? And don't forget if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else, and you're all on our YouTube and you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe now so you don't miss our next inspiring guest next week. See you next week. Oh, 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 oh,